0: Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian.
1: Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian?
0: Well, we have got episode number three of the Challenger Cell. This has been a fun one to work through. I hope you all have enjoyed it. I hope everyone that's listening has had a chance to, to scan through the book, too. If you've not read this one We've been linking to it at the top of every one of our episode notes. So buy it through Amazon, through our link there. Give us 10 or 20 cents through that click. Um, And if you have any questions or things that you want to add as we go along on this, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, You can reach out to either one of us, bobby at bobbyandbrian.com or brian at BobbyandBrian.com. The first episode, Bobby, we spent most of our time talking through, um, kind of comparing and contrasting the challenger sell to the traditional spin selling um, or a solution selling approach. So we talked about, you know, while spin selling or solution selling is not a dead art, there's still a lot of value to that process. The Challenger Cell has really kind of taken over as certainly the new technology approach to uh, customer and prospect interactions. That was all for the first episode. The second episode, we spent a lot of time talking about the different uh, worker profiles. So there's the hard worker, the relationship builder, the problem solver, the lone wolf, And then finally, the challenger. Um, We talked about how you could carry certain characteristics of each one of these uh, profiles to your your daily job and how that's of great value. So those are the the first two weeks of this series, Bobby. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about what today's episode is about?
1: Yeah. So today's all about the teaching part. And I think this really differentiates a superstar rep or that challenger rep from the average rep. We we find, I see it a lot, where we go in and, and ask a lot of the typical solution selling type questions, what keeps you up at night? You know, if I could solve one problem for you, what would that problem be? And we get kind of uh, keyed into the same routine of all the other reps. This is, this is an opportunity, and, and when we say teach, this is your opportunity to teach your customer something that maybe they don't know, and, and it is possible. Not every customer has listened to their own annual report, but to provide certain insights uh, and things that your customer may not be aware of that you can teach them really will differentiate the way they perceive you and they perceive your approach. Um, I think it all starts with offering that unique and valuable perspective of the market that the customer may or may not even see yet. Um, what, what, what do you think about when you think about teaching moments or that, that beginning part of the sales process where you teach, Brian?
0: Yeah, it, you know, we, we talked about this in the previous episodes too. Um, the teaching part, you have to have some some depth to you for this to be valuable for your prospective customer. That means you need to be well-read. You need to be, uh, you know, reading these, these books. You need to be reading the Harvard Business Review, Twitter. Again, go back and listen to some of the interviews. Uh, we ask all of the people that we've interviewed how they stay up-to-date in the market. To have a valuable or deep perspective like you're talking about, Bobby, you have to have some depth to you yourself. So it is about you know, reading their annual report, but it's having depth yourself.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's almost like how many times do you have, are you in a room with a sales rep and they, they start off the process with what we do. They say, Hey, we sell the best ERP in the world. We sell the best human capital thing. We sell the best PCs in the world. I, I hear that often, and the, normally that almost commoditizes them and gets them down to a pricing war at the end of the sales process instead of teaching the pains and resolutions. I think we should do a listener's choice on how, how to tell your story maybe, how to, how to pitch your, uh, what you're doing for the customer so that you don't lead with what you're doing, but more with how you can solve that customer's problem. Maybe a, a great way to teach before you even get in front of that customer for the first time.
0: Yeah, what if the first, you know, let's say 10 minutes of that conversation instead of you bringing up your brand or your product or your wares altogether, what if that first 10 minutes of the conversation was entirely focused on unique perspective you had on their business? The only way you're going to ascertain that is by doing a lot of research. And if it's a customer you value or a prospective customer you value and you worked hard to get a meeting with, again, we always point back to the first series that we did around pr- uh, preparation for that first meeting, isn't it worth doing the due diligence to come with a valuable and unique perspective to that meeting that leads to a really rich conversation that will absolutely lead to your solution. It's just not about leading with your solution. It's leading to your solution.
1: Yeah, I had a pretty good meeting about two weeks ago that now has turned. And I did, I did our five meetings before that meeting. There was some pain around those meetings, but we got through it. We had a great, we had a great hour and a half with the customer. The customer sent me something late on Friday that they're ready to do our three hour workshop and uh, on you know somewhere shortly after this podcast, I would expect. But what was interesting is in that meeting, the customer asked what made us different, and I said to some degree we're not that different. We're very similar to competitor A, competitor B, competitor C. But but you're signing a deal with me, and you're signing a deal with this team that's in the room, and that really is something you can't get from the competition. I don't think some reps help customers navigate alternatives. But if you if you call a spade a spade, it's not like they don't know those those competitors exist in the market, and that's part of teaching as well, that you can differentiate uh, around those alternatives, but also help the customer navigate them because they're gonna they're gonna do it with or without your help for sure.
0: I, I think I always make account executives nervous here, Bobby, because I I am very brutally honest about what they may be looking for and what we really are. So, for example. At, at Workday, if a, if a customer is just looking to process transactions, you know, financial transactions, or they just need a database of their people, there are far cheaper solutions to go buy than Workday. Go buy one of those solutions. Don't you you know you, you don't you don't need Workday if you if your problems are X and Y, not Z. Um, so I'm I'm very I and I think it shows while it makes the account executive nervous, I think it shows the customer a bit more sophisticated approach to how an evaluation should go.
1: But that is such the human aspect, too, because I'm thinking about some of the conversations we were having right before we started recording about your new gadget on your wrist. Doesn't that almost poke the bear when you tell a customer, like, you don't need us, we're actually too sophisticated for you, Just go buy other the you know competitor ABC. When you get sophisticated, call me back and then maybe I can say my solution. That just probably sucks them into wanting Workday more because they're like, "Well, no, I don't just need a database for my employees. I need what all? What is that? All you can do?" And then you get more of an opportunity to teach. It's called I call that the binary approach, and
0: I'm probably stealing this philosophy from someone else or from a book I read five years ago. Um, But I call it a binary approach. I really try to say, this is what we can do. This is what the others can do. If that's all you need, man, there are some great alternatives out there. You should really look at this one and this one. Those are great. Here's what we do though. And you're exactly right. They, they want to be in that, that, that bucket of transformational.
1: And the book says that part of this teaching process is that you continue to provide ongoing advice and consultation, whether you're in the game or not. Most reps don't do that. If they get told no or, or, or they lose a deal, they walk away. But we've talked about the long game in many episodes. If you continue to provide that advice and that consultation, the relationship will grow and get stronger and stronger, and you never know when those paths to work together will cross again. Uh, it, it, it's kind of awe-striking how small the Houston community is, being the third or fourth largest city in the United States.
0: I think this is where the relationship seller tends to crash and burn, too. That there's nothing wrong. I mean, the relationship seller, that's a unique skill and perspective. It's something I don't have. That's not who I am. Not to say that I don't have relationships with prospects and customers, but I'm not the guy that has the 20-year relationship with a client. Um, but if they're not continually bringing value and unique perspectives to that customer, that's the relationship seller tends to struggle there. So you're right. You've got to be able to provide ongoing advi- advice, consultation, and bring value to the partnership.
1: Some of the teaching that I think I've seen be very successful is helping customers avoid those potential landmines, right? The, the bait-and-switch things that maybe some of the uh, up-and-coming solutions or products might do. Um, we've heard horror stories about services companies that seem to have a lot of business, but not very many raving fans or happy customers. It doesn't have to be all about throwing FUD, but if you know those stories and can teach your customer about those things... Then they get the opportunity to challenge those people when you're not in the room, and if you, they avoid one landmine, you you will be the person they call back next time, whether you win this one or not.
0: For me, in my current role, this tends to be all around deployment because deployment of an ERP system is can be a challenge, right? So,
1: I've never uh, heard that.
0: <laughs> it's a, yeah, I've never heard the, the the term of open heart surgery. It's it's the truth, and so. The customer, the prospective customer, knows that deployment is going to be hard work. If you go in there saying, "Oh no, no, cakewalk, it's going to be easy," they're already looking for what those challenges are. If you're if you're not providing them what those challenges are, you're you're allowing them to think up what kind of problems you might have they might have with the deployment. So be be proactive about what these potential landmines are, and then coach them on how they can overcome those. All all you're doing is help. You're being transparent, and you're being um, honest, and you're building a relationship and building a partnership by by bringing something new and innovative to the table.
1: We led into some of this earlier in episode one and two, but th- this is really called commercial teaching, where where the rep teaches their prospect how to think about their needs. It has to be your or their unique strengths, right? And then how do you tie those two things together for them to just be drawn and want to buy your product? If you think about even my role today, Dell Technologies, a lot of what we sell looks very, very similar to the competitors out there. But the the piece that I think not just me and my brand bring, but the Dell Technologies brings is a portfolio a mile wide. That's both a strength and a weakness. And if I don't call that out, I know a customer is going to call that out, but how do I have them think through and teach them what are they doing from their end user device up through their, their data center to their storage to the cloud that would differentiate me and make me unique? That's the easy way to show them why they should be working with Dell Technologies. And it's not one thing you're going to, it's not one story you're going to tell in that one meeting that, oh, well, we'll just do everything through Dell. But it's, it's that thing that I teach and preach about over and over and over again so that they see that I have a unique capability that no other technology company has in the world.
0: Indeed. I, I, and I'll talk about this more in the next episode here, but I keep a running list of business outcomes. And then I tailor these business outcomes based off what I know to be true in their business. So if they're a you know, safe to assume we're targeting, fast-growing, changing organizations, I've got oh probably 50, 60 stories for fast-growing, changing organizations and outcomes they've been able to achieve with Workday. Um, so I'm, I'm effectively building these stories um, that lead to Workday being the answer to those challenges.
1: And isn't that so not average? So uh, we talk about it a lot, but who who practices and keeps track of this stuff uh, in the average world? No one does. If you want to be an excellent rep, you got to have these stories. You got to practice telling these stories. You got to understand these stories from the customer's perspective, not your perspective. And you have to be able to teach by using all this information. It's not. It's not easy, people, and if you want to be great, it's not going to be an easy road to greatness for sure.
0: No doubt. So, Bobby, why don't we jump into the six steps of the Challenger Way? We'll have all these in our show notes, so uh, don't feel like you need to take notes here. All this will be on com. Let's talk through the six steps, and then I've put together an example that we can talk through specific to what I'm doing today. That sound good?
1: Perfect. Let's do it.
0: Okay, first is, like you said, Bobby, this is all about commercial teaching. It's, an, it's a new skill set for some people. For some people, your company, or you may have been operating like this for, for several years now, but, but this is basically uh, the author Matt and Brent's uh, six approaches that make up a world-class teaching pitch. So, the first is the warmer. Uh, the warmer is build credibility and show your prospects you understand their challenges. This serves as the introduction for your pitch. So, again, we've talked about this ad nauseum on this episode. It's uh, build credibility, show that you understand their unique challenges.
1: The refrain comes next. This is where you connect those challenges to a big problem or opportunity they hadn't previously considered. It gives you the chance to build credibility and show your prospect you understand their challenges. This serves as an introduction for the pitch. At this point, it goes back to everything we've been talking about from the studying and practicing you, you can't wing this part for sure and it really sets up your opportunity to pitch what you're trying to sell the third step is rational drowning I love this
0: I think it's I think it's um, this becomes kind of a this really is where if you do it right teaching all comes together this is basically showing the prospect the numbers behind why they should think differently
1: I've never seen a spreadsheet that you've ever created that would do that, Brian. <laughs> Next, we have emotional impact. So you need to create an emotional connection between the pain in the story you're telling and the pain they feel every day in their organization. This can't be you responding to them telling you what keeps you what keeps them up at night. This has to be you telling through the stories you've known and learned that they can achieve X by buying Y from you. And tying those two together in an emotional way.
0: The next one is a new way. So it's time to, this is really where you start to point them to your solution, right? So it's time to convince them of the solution, show them a new way that they should be thinking about their business.
1: And then finally, it is your solution. Demonstrate how your solution is the best one out there and how it fits the way a prospect should be thinking about their business. Great. So why don't we jump
0: into a specific Um, approach that I would take at workday. And uh, let's just kind of talk through it a little bit. Let's do it. So I I have, the way I've kind of composed this, Bobby, is that we have, let's say that you're prospecting into a new customer and let's say it turns into um, a bit of a conversation or a back and forth uh, over email or over phone. Right. I always try to like I always like to have a a meaty subject line and we've simplified some of this, right? Because a lot of people on the phone are listening on the podcast won't necessarily be familiar with Workday. Uh, Basically Workday is a human capital management and financial system. Um, We help companies basically transform their business. So if they're looking to grow and change and and grow their top line revenue, uh, we help organizations by uh, minimizing the impact that has to the back office. So the subject line or your opening line would be, uh, Workday customers are growing their business 30 to 40% without adding additional headcount in the back office. So let's say that the, the, way, the reason that you've uh, listed the subject out this way is that you've researched your, your prospective customer. They're in a fast growing technology industry. Uh, they have on their annual report or quarterly report, we need to continue growing our top line revenue, which has been growing by you know, 30, 40, 50% per year. That means that they're adding people to this. They also call out in the annual report that operational expenses are starting to get a little bit heavy and they're going to look to optimize some of these operational expenses. If you search through an annual report for a technology company, you're going to find that in probably 50 to 75% of the companies that you look through. So this is not an uncommon challenge or uh, thing that's being sought after for, uh, for companies. So Bobby, the warmer for that could be um, in your Q2. So this is where you get very specific in Q2. Your Q2 report to shareholders, you express that you grew by fifteen percent, and you have plans to grow by another thirty uh, percent. You express that you've got operational challenges that you're looking to solve from a technology platform standpoint. Do
1: you just say that because you, it's like one of your your tricks, or have you actually studied and done that research and know those numbers and and show them proof points?
0: Yeah, you got you almost. It's almost worth taking snips out of their quarterly report. Like that'd be really powerful. As much. As, as much evidence as you could get or as specific as you could be here, I mean, this could be a full paragraph. I like to keep these a little bit short, but if you've got a, a sophisticated buyer on the other end of this email or a phone call, the more evidence, fact-based evidence here, the better off you're going to be.
1: Let me do what might be the wrong way to do the reframe. You, you, you talked about the warmer and giving those statistics. This might be a reframe from an average rep. Um let's say that the next statement I would say would be most organizations we work with quote unquote pre-workday don't realize that some of the operational headcount is unnecessary if we had the right technology in place. Doesn't that kind of lead them to be my workday customer now?
0: Yeah. The challenge with it is that you're getting, you're, you're answering the question too fast. Like they, they know we're trying to sell them something here. Like certainly they know that, but there's no need to get to it that fast. So, yeah, I agree with you. That that would be, it wouldn't be a totally wrong way to do it, but it's not the perfect way to do it. That's that's and that's a, that's
1: a great way to talk about the wrong reframe. There is that I do think every rep thinks they're so busy that they only have this one shot. They they gotta poke this one thing about their line or their product, and it it does come off so cliche and so salesy. And I'll even talk to salespeople and say, I didn't say anything salesy. And it just, it, it's not how you want to be sold to. I'll go back to that example. So so don't sell that way. All right, so show us what a good refrain would look like, Brian.
0: A good refrain might look like, uh, so many organizations make unnecessary hires in the back office to support this growth, which delays profitability goals because they can't properly scale their business. So, so you didn't talk a-
1: about your solution. You didn't talk about your technology. You didn't tell them if they don't buy Workday, they're going to suck. You, 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 you taught them that the customer most customers make unnecessary hires they're going to that's going to catch a bone they're going to reflect on that they're going to be like oh yeah i did just hire two extra people we we only grew by 10% but my headcount doubled they're going to put that two and two together and start understanding that you are teaching them about what their problems and pains are
0: agreed and we're really oversimplifying this example y'all so so you're going to have to you're going to have to tailor and cater this for your own prospective customers and we'll get into that a little bit more in the next episode so rational drowning. So this is, the, you know, there's a number of ways to do this, right? There are some, there, we'll, we'll include one of them on the show notes. Uh, we'll give you a couple more examples here. But your statement here could be Custom Inc, who is a, they're a customer of Workday, but we haven't exactly called that out yet. Custom Inc directly attributes their ability to grow 30 to 40% without adding additional back office resources to the Workday technology platform. So we have a direct customer that's speaking um, on a public statement. You could even, you know, you could, that could be a hyperlink. If this is an email conversation, that could be a hyperlink that you're linking to that statement they made on the Workday website. And you're you're kind of causing the customer at this point or the prospective customer at this point to say, man, I, I we do, we continue to bleed resources in the back office to fix this top-line revenue uh, challenge that we've got.
1: And an emotional impact could very simply be that you call out a similar customer with a similar challenge whether it's back office hiring of people maybe it's the way they manage their assets in my world um, but two oil and gas companies struggling with this x y and z and the other companies struggling with the exact same thing that would provide emotional context or an emotional impact to the selling cycle as well when you're early in the game with it like this
0: yeah, now I found a good example online, actually, uh, that somebody had written on this. They said that their, their way of kind of describing the rational drowning and the emotional impact, they said if a, per, if a person fell overboard in the middle of the ocean, rational drowning looks like treading water. So the victim says, I'm all right, which feels true at that given point. They're not, you know, they're not literally drowning, but, but they, you know, they're slowly drowning. Uh, not until they realize that they can't continue this way for very long which will pass from rational drowning to emotional impact. So in emotional impact, I tend to get a little bit more specific um, and I tend to align them to maybe, maybe it's a company they used to work for or maybe it's a second degree relationship or first degree relationship they have on LinkedIn to where I can point them to someone they know specifically in the industry or a company they, they know specifically in the industry that may have found um, had similar Uh, challenges or just finished a workday project, I try to hit just a little bit closer to home. The Custom Ink example is a very published, very public case study which may or may not resonate to them, but where I go into emotional impact, I get very direct into, you probably know this person, you probably know this company, here's the project they finished, Here's they did it on time, on budget, it had this kind of direct impact on their business. I try to make it very specific for them.
1: That only comes from the research we talked about in the first meeting prep, doing your LinkedIn research, finding those connections, making sure you don't just take a stab or a guess at that, but that you actually tie two things together so that they'll make that. You're you're hoping they make a follow-up phone call, reach out to that person, hear it from them, and not you so that that the emotional impact really sticks with them.
0: Yeah, and a new way to kind of finish this off, a new way in the solution, the new way is... Uh, custom Inc., uh workday not this is a quote directly from them so custom Inc. says workday not only gives us the confidence to scale but will support accelerated growth we no longer have to worry about whether our finance and hr system can further support us you could you could include any number of statements basically um, pointing to the workday solution at this point and then what i do for the solution bobby it, uh, my approach is usually i don't I don't want, to, I don't want it, the demo to be next, right? For me, it's about, wouldn't it be worth a 30-minute conversation to hear about how company X is achieving these type of results? That's ultimately what I'm looking for here. I want a brief conversation with them to see if any of this resonated.
1: And don't they have to give you that 30 minutes? I mean, if you've provided this much context, and, and we are oversimplifying it, but if we've provided this much context in a brief email, they would be... Crazy not to at least give you that 30 minute conversation to talk about how you can help them in a similar way. I think so.
0: I, I, you know, and if, if they're the kind of company that just flat out would decline a conversation here, are they even the right customer for you? You've really got to consider that. What a lot of people will say, what a lot of people tell me is there is no way I have 80 prospects, there is no way I could write 80 emails like this. It would take me a year to compose all these kind of emails. On the next episode, we're going to talk about how you can turn that from a year into probably a month. We'll be able to help you really trim that down.
1: Yeah, and it's cliche, I think, a little bit, but how can you afford not to do it this way? The other way is 80 that never get responded to. I think if you did it the right way, you might get more responses. And like we've talked about in other episodes, you grow the opportunities, they get bigger, you blow out your number. It's it's the only way you can do it. Not, not that you can't possibly overlook this part of it.
0: It's great. All right, so we're going to wrap it up with
1: that. The next
0: episode is going to be uh, all about the next stages, which are tailor and take control. Tailor is what we talked about here. Basically, it's it's tailoring your specific statistics you've helped a company achieve into something that's relevant to them. Like, how do you do that at scale? And then taking control is really about, it's all about sales process. It's something we've been covering a lot over the past couple of months with both the Challenger Cell and the uh, series we did specifically on sales process.
1: As we always say, average is the enemy, average sucks. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show.
0: Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.